This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, it was a strong performance, a well-deserved result. I'm absolutely happy. Uh, but it's no time for celebration. The job is not done yet. We have two more games to go. And um, Like I said, it was a well-deserved win with a strong, strong performance. Very happy to play in front of supporters. It was a huge difference today. We did this pretty quick. On Sunday, we had the, the post-match talk. And from there you go on, no matter if you win or if you lose, this is, uh, this is what we do. And today this was, uh, was uh, what we demand from us. Uh, we were well prepared, we were focused, we played with uh, high intensity, aggression and uh, tried to attack in, in any, any possible moment and the uh, team did very, very good. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Thomas Tuchel speaking after Chelsea won a massive three points against Leicester City in midweek. Welcome to the Friday show previewing the final weekend of the EPL season. But don't worry, there's loads of football coming up. Literally loads. Um, Do tweet at BFM Radio. You can find us all individually on Twitter if you wish. You can also follow BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Joining me as usual, we've got Bob Holmes. Hello, Bob. Hello, everybody. Des Corkill is here, looking all chirpy and cheerful. Always chirpy, always cheerful. But you know what? The football ends after this weekend. What are we going to (laughs) do? We'll talk VAR, don't worry. A whole show on VAR. (laughs) Des Corkill's sign of approval there. Keishinen is back joining us. Hello, Keish. Hello, hello, guys. It feels super, super weird to do this at the moment. It's been a while. It really has. Yeah, especially the way we are doing things in the pandemic yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. But it's great to have you back. All right, lots of football to talk about. Uh, the penultimate round of football happened over Tuesday and Wednesday midweek. We, we heard Thomas Tuchel. Chelsea, 2-1 winners over Leicester City. I want to focus on Leicester first, Bob Holmes. Are we seeing yet again another Leicester City fade? It is so cruel <laughs> that the number of weeks they've spent in the top four and then not actually playing in the Champions League, it's, it's phenomenal. It's crazy. Well, yes, they say revenge is sweet. It can also <laughs> be very quick. Uh, three days, wasn't it? Um, and I still, I'm not sure whether the fans of Leicester would prefer the FA Cup or a mm. Champions League place. Mm. It would be an interesting poll to have among them. I suspect they might go for the FA Cup. They they really did seem to enjoy it, didn't they? Be, be, because on, on paper, it's... Okay, if that's all they win, it's still the second most successful season in Leicester City's history. Exactly, and they've proved, whatever happens now, they've proved that they are... They are deserving of a place in the top six, of, if not top four. Uh, forget big six. This is the best six. Yeah. And they're in it without any question. And they've been there, uh, thereabouts, since uh, they won the title in uh, 2016. And uh, amazingly, that was after they only narrowly escaped relegation, of course, the season before. But since then, they've, they've been there or thereabouts and they deserve to be treated as a major force in the in the league they're certainly a lot better than spurs or arsenal and uh you know it it would be a pity for their fans 
if they don't make the top four. But uh, I'd say the odds are against it. And they'll be in the, uh, the Europa League, Europa League proper. That's not the Europa Conference League. <laughs> um, so they'll still be in Europe. Uh, finally, something... finally, they've yeah. invented a tournament where people love the Europa League. It's called the Europa Conference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. The under, understandably, uh, da- you know, it was hard to follow the, uh, the FA Cup victory. I mean, when you win something like that, first time in the history of the club, uh, very hard to follow it against a Chelsea team determined to have revenge on Chelsea's home ground with their own fans there. So not, not a surprising result at all. Yeah, I, I read that uh, Jamie Vardy had a McDonald's breakfast on a Sunday. And we heard Thomas Tuchel say they were back on the training ground on Sunday talking about the game. So big difference there, Kish. Massive three points for Tuchel and Chelsea. Moves them up into third. Of course, things would get worse for Leicester. We'll talk about that later. But Chelsea, this, I mean, they totally deserve that win. Plus, Timo Werner had two goals disallowed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that first half alone sums up Timo Werner's season, didn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. He had two goals disallowed, a pen, uh, you know, a, a decent penalty shot ruled out as well. That's the thing about Timo Werner. I mean, I am still of the opinion that he's an exceptional player. Um, and obviously, Thomas Tuchel can see beyond just the uh, basic surface level goal statistics. I mean, to be fair to him, his numbers in terms of goals and assists for a you know, player in his debut season in the Premier League is not that bad. It's just that he comes across a little frustrating given the amount of chances he's actually had throughout the season and not converted. But the point is... I want to butt in here and and tell you that Timo Werner has scored 26 goals this season. 12 have counted. (laughs) 14 have been ruled out. (laughs) But but the point is is that if a player is missing X amount of chances in a season, that's actually a good problem to have because he's getting into the positions. It's the same discussion with Sadio Mane as well, right? Everyone keeps saying that uh, Sadio Mane is past his best. No, he's actually getting into the same positions like he did last season. He's actually making those runs. He's actually finding himself in crucial positions to score goals. But he's just not converting them at the moment due to you know any specific reason. And the same can be said of Timo Werner. So it's a very good problem to have. And you just sit down and think, the moment he starts kicking into gear, how much more terrifying this Chelsea side can get. And we're yeah. not even scrape the surface of you know transfer rumors you know yeah. linking them with Haaland with with Harry Kane because everywhere else across the park this Chelsea side look really really menacing at the moment agreed agreed all right well that Leicester defeat would prove very very costly indeed for Brendan Rodgers because 24 hours later Liverpool went to Turf Moor had to win professional 3-0 victory over Des Corkill's favorite team Burnley <laughs> Des, I know you were pleased with the result. Um, even Phillips got a decent goal, put in a good shift. And he's been uh, one of the, the standout changes in Liverpool's um, remarkable form because it's seven wins and two draws. And those two draws were both last minute or the, the late, late equaliser by Leeds, late equaliser by Newcastle. It has been championship form um, for Liverpool in the last nine games. And, and uh, I... I, I Nobody, 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 particularly me, doubts Jurgen Klopp. But you do wonder if he'd trusted Nat Phillips earlier on, mm. rather than playing Fabinho at centre-back, 
might it have turned around quicker? I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's posing the question there because Phillips has turned out and become a senior partner alongside a, a, a Bambi-like kid called Reese Williams. Liverpool should be very vulnerable at the back. They're not because Phillips has risen to the challenge and I'd be really surprised if, if uh, Nat Phillips doesn't get a chance to be um, Liverpool's fourth-choice centre-back next I, season. Are you, are you surprised, Des, that uh, you've hit a rich vein of form or did you always think that was there? I always thought it was there. I, th- I thought that the, 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 the slight problem was that um, Fabinho was being taken out of midfield and Jordan Henderson was being taken out of midfield. So to try and solve a problem at the back, you were, uh, you were creating a problem in midfield and that created a, a problem for confidence. As, as Keish rightly said, Ma, uh, Mane has been making the runs. Firmino has been trying as many tricks as ever before. They just haven't come off. Uh, Salah scored a phenomenal number of goals. Um, but but the, the whole system wasn't working. And bizarrely, it's big Nat Phillips, old-fashioned British-style centre-half, <laughs> who's provided the, the, the kind of the solution, the leadership. Um, he's not a Van Dyke. He wouldn't claim to be a Van Dyke. Of course he wouldn't. But what he's done, he's given um, Trent Alexander-Arnold security, Andy Robertson more security. And it's no coincidence that Liverpool's fullbacks have been getting forward more, with more confidence, showing this nine-match unbeaten run. He had a, he had a loan spell at Stuttgart. Last season, he did, he did, and he did well at Stuttgart, and um, they 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 rated him. So, so that's the one question against um, Jurgen. You cannot question Jurgen, but I'm going to. (laughs) Could he have introduced Nat Phillips into the setup a little bit earlier? Could hindsight is is a great tactic. No, I mean Ross, I I just want to point this out. Right, it's not even so much about Nat Phillips himself and whether you know his presence at the heart of the defense would have made Liverpool much better much earlier. It's about getting Nat Phillips to the defence, primarily Fabinho. because yeah. that allows Fabinho to get back into the field. Mm, absolutely. So I think that's been the bigger problem for Liverpool. Having, yeah. you know, that, that, that back four is obviously an issue and, and Van Dijk's absence has been a cause for concern. But, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of theories out there on Twitter even arguing that to, to, to some extent, it's not Van Dijk's absence from the heart of their defence that has caused them so many problems. It's the fact that Fabinho, for much of the season, has been taken away from such a fundamental role. Let's not forget how important he was last season. He was mm. absolutely monumental in their title win. And yeah. to take someone that important out of the out of that you know important position in the defensive midfield role, um, it, it was I, again I echo what Des says. You, you, there's not a lot of things that you can look at at Klopp and Christian, but I, you know sometimes you just wonder if it would have been much better for Liverpool had Fabinho just been left in defensive midfield. Yeah, I'd just like to say that I think Phillips also epitomizes the Shankly spirit and the Klopp spirit. And they were just in danger of losing out a bit on that when they when they started to wobble. And sticking a good old fashioned centre back there like that, who isn't the greatest in the world, everybody knows that, but for sheer effort and personality and the fact that he's a fairly local lad and all the rest of it, good backstory. I think that helped somehow. It galvanized the, the team. I think, that, uh, I think we, we shouldn't overlook the spirit that Liverpool have shown after a season like that, a ca- catastrophic season, mid-season anyway, to come back on a run like this, as Des says, championship form, that takes some doing. Mm. And I think you have to credit... 
uh, Klopp, of course, number one, but also that they dredged into the well of the Liverpool spirit there. And I think uh, Phillips, more than anyone, epitomizes that. All right. Well, interesting. Final match of the season. I wonder if Jeannie Wijnaldum's going to get the captain's armband. Probably not. <laughs> um, all right. Man United won, Fulham won. United's terrible. Well, not terrible. Disappointing home form continued. But it was a 40-yard lobbed goal from Eddie Cavani. That's worth the entrance itself, there's Corkill. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, one point enough to secure second spot. So everyone goes away happy, this one. Think of beauty, that Cavani goal. It was absolutely delicious. And uh, the fact United have signed him, and now people are saying, oh, should we have signed Cavani? Haaland's available. Oh, oh should, should we do without Cavani? And then Cavani produces a, a moment of magic like that. United have looked a better team going forward when Cavani's been leading the line. Uh, I, I think... Um, and they, they've also massively, massively overachieved this year in terms of expectations. And United fans, I'm hearing one or two going, oh, we're not close enough to City, oh, we're only in the Europa League final. It, it's, <laughs> it's been a remarkable season for, for, the, for the school teacher. I still, don't, I still don't think he's the man to lead Manchester United for how, glory. How, but how important he, do you think is, is winning the Europa League for Ole? Will, will he then... Got to. Got to. So th that, winning, will, that will be the next the step for him, right? Yeah, that, uh, so that, that would put a vast amount of confidence from his players and the fans in Solskjaer because yeah. he's come through all of this, this, uh, this stick and he's, he's, he's put two fingers up by saying, here's a trophy. Right. And this is what Mourinho did. Let, let, let me know it is, is, is a United fan. Um, you can't doubt progress has been made. The football is a lot more palatable. Um, the fans, majority of them, are, are on board with Solskjaer. Majority of them, Ross, but I don't get the minority of them. I yeah. don't get them at all. I don't get this whole comparison with Mourinho. And, and some even have the audacity to argue that Jose was a better manager just because he brought second place on a trophy. And just for that sake alone, I want Ole to win the Europa League. Because in my books, even if United don't win the Europa League, Ole is still the best manager we've had since uh, Alex. He's not, he's not your Jurgen Klopp. He's not your Pep Guardiola. Yeah. But management isn't just about tactics. Management is coming in during a period of turmoil and making necessary changes that previous managers were never going to do. And Ole has done all of that, you know, rebuilding the club, signing the kind of players. I mean, you, you look at the players that have come in under Ole and you juxtapose them to players that were signed under Mourinho's tenure, under Louis van Gaal's tenure, when a lot of them were short-term signings designed to just help or assist the manager in that immediate period of time, instead of looking at the long term, instead of looking at rebuilding the identity of what the club is meant to be. And I think Solskjaer has done all of that. And obviously, he deserves credit for every single bit of that. But the point is, football has evolved into such... It, it, it's, it blows my head because when I grew up, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't proclaim... When I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm really, really old. Five right? years ago. Five years. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I was growing up in the early 2000s, right? It, like, <laughs> social media. Foot, football wasn't... It, 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 it wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't binary. It wasn't one or zero. You could yeah. have gray areas. You could understand that some games you might lose and, and, that, and that's fine. But now, with, it, it, it's frustrating because football is either one or zero. You win a game, you're an exceptional team. You lose a game and it's disaster in the making. And I don't get that. And that's the treatment that Ole has been subjected to. They've called him PE teacher. They've called him, you know, incredible, disgraceful names that have been associated with him. And I'm just glad that we're second at the moment. And I'm just glad that we're in the Europa League final. And for the sake of 
shutting up these critics. I genuinely hope um, Man United win the Europa League. The exact same reason that I hope Man City win the Champions League, only because there's so much of unnecessary criticism towards Pep's ability and people doubting him saying that he's, a, he's an overrated manager. No, he's probably one of the greatest ever the world has seen. And, and I genuinely just want him to win the Champions League so we can you know, keep all these critics' uh, mouth shut. We, we've missed you, Keish. We really have on this show. It's, it's <laughs> annoying, Ross. It's absolutely annoying being on Twitter at times. I'm telling you. Well, I get can... off it then, mate. Get off it. Get off no, it. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Mind you, it's your job, isn't it? Exactly. It, it, yeah, no, I, I can feel his pain sometimes, honestly. Um, all right. Uh, some of the other results. Leeds were impressive. 2-0 away win at Southampton. Uh, Brighton came back from two down against Man City, albeit 10 men Man City, to win 3-2. Uh, Everton, 1-0 against Wolves. Uh, um, Richarlison with the goal there. Newcastle, Joe Willock scoring the winner against Sheffield United. Villa were impressive against Spurs away from home. Arsenal won at Crystal Palace. And West Ham breathed life into the European football thing for next season with a 3-1 win at West Brom. We're off our first break. We come back, we preview the final weekend of the season. Has come up with something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, Bob, Keish and Des looking forward to match week 38. Jang, jang, jang. Uh, biggest game of the weekend in terms of, well, what's got to be done and all that. Of course, the fourth spot, uh, the last Champions League spot is up for grabs. Liverpool are in pole position for this. It's fourth versus 13th. Liverpool against Crystal Palace. It is Bob Holmes, Roy Hodgson's final game of the season. He's never been loved by the Anfield faithful. It would be funny if he turned one and, and, and pulled one out of the hat. There. But I tell you what, he, he goes to Anfield with a Christian Benteke in red-hot form, four in his last four. Uh, yes, well, he wasn't in red-hot form when he was uh, at Liverpool, was he? Ever? Uh, I don't think at Liverpool. No, Liverpool. no. I don't think he got four, did he, in his whole time there? <laughs> um, Roy Hodgson, yeah, I think um, without much debate, the worst manager in Liverpool's history. Where, where, do, you rank did... him, where do you rank him in English managers, though? I mean, would he be a great? Would he be well, a very, very no, good no, manager? No, no, no. He's got something. Obviously, um, he's higher he, than he Big Sam, okay. is he? Well, as an England manager, yes. Um, but uh, he, I don't quite know how he does it, but he, do, he does it. I mean, he's saved Crystal Palace and he seems to be able to coax something out of uh, second tier players um, in second tier countries without being too disrespectful. I mean, he made his name in uh, Scandinavia and Switzerland before he even got a job in uh, the UK. And uh, he, he guided Switzerland to the World Cup finals and, and all this sort of thing. So he has got something. But at Liverpool, he was a shocker. He just didn't seem to get the club at all. I think the only mitigating circumstances for him were 
that it was right after they Liverpool almost went bust. Mm. And the board, even though the takeover had gone through, the board did say to him, you've got to manage your funds carefully. So he was, although he was at a big club, he was treating it as a small club, hence some of the signings who were not fit to wear the Liverpool shirt. But it was the manner, the demeanour that he was downplaying Liverpool and sucking up to Alex Ferguson. Now, you don't do that as a Liverpool manager. You don't do that if you live in Liverpool, whatever you are. And uh, he committed those uh, cardinal sins and he was never going to do it there. So it's um, it's a pity because he, you know, he's, he seems to be a fairly well-liked guy. Mm. No one seems to have a really bad word about him. And uh, it was sad that he didn't get a, a, a farewell win at Crystal Palace. And, but I hope he doesn't get a farewell win at Liverpool. Um, Crystal Palace, and I mean, Klopp will make sure that Liverpool don't underestimate Palace. I mean, on paper, on form, every other way, Liverpool should do this. And it will be catastrophic if they don't. If they mess this up, it'll undermine everything they've done in the last nine games yeah. that we've been talking about. Uh, it doesn't bear thinking about. It could have a lasting effect and mean there's less money in the transfer window and all those sort of things. But a massive loss of confidence in Klopp and to the club, uh, uh, the whole thing would be a disaster. Make no mistake about that. So the guard against that. But I think, I think they've got it in them to win this comfortably. Winning at home against lowly teams, adept at sitting deep and hitting on the counter is exactly where Klopp's come a cropper at Anfield, Des Corkill, this season. But um, 10,000 fans, that's going to make a difference. Yeah, it should do. Um... Crystal Palace, bizarrely, Liverpool have got a, a really good record against Palace. Remember, they beat them 7-0 yeah. earlier this year. But, but Palace have got this um, reputation with Liverpool of hitting you really where it hurts. Uh, of my vintage, the 1990 semi-final, where they, they won 4-3 at Villa Park against uh, a, a great Liverpool team. And that was a big shock. Uh, of course, the three all went 3-0 up, chasing a championship um, under Brendan Rodgers in 2014, conceded three goals in 10 minutes. Um, and then they were they were a team. I was going to say they were the last team, but before the six in a row defeats, they were the last team to win at Anfield at the start of that um, uh, massive four four year unbeaten run for for Jurgen Klopp. So they're they're a team that you've got to be wary of. They've got they've got Zaha. He's tasty. Benteke versus Phillips. Benteke lurking at the far post. They're playing with a little bit more freedom these days. Mm. I don't think they're going to have that low block. Uh, Easy is playing uh, in a full 3-3 three, three He's now. injured, they, though. Oh, is he? Is he out? Yeah, okay, that's, yeah. that's good news. That's good news. So they might be a little bit more defensive. Because if they come and attack, and I've said this about Liverpool, if you come and attack Liverpool, you can beat them. Because while, while I've just put praised uh, Nat Phillips, he, he's, he's, he's not the quickest. He's great at what he does. But Reese Williams alongside him, he still gets sucked into the wrong mm. areas. A good player can, can, really, can really put Williams under pressure. So I think uh, Alisson has come to Liverpool's rescue on a number of one-on-ones in this uh, run recently. And Alisson's form has been both uh, wonderful and goal-scoring. Um, but Liverpool are vulnerable if teams attack them. And Palace have got the wherewithal to go and attack. And they've nothing to lose, nothing to lose. So this is a, a huge, huge banana skin 
And I, I think unless if Liverpool score early, great. If Liverpool don't score early, this could be squeaky bum time and they'll be looking anxiously at what's happening between Leicester and Tottenham. I mean, can I just point out that obviously when we look at, you know, on paper, we, we have all these weaknesses, we've got these injuries. We can look at logical arguments to, to, to you know, argue as to why this could be a banana skin for Liverpool, why Palace could cause a surprise. But the reality is this, right? This is akin to a final, a cup final for Liverpool. Um, it, it's, it's to get themselves uh, into the Champions League after what has been a horrendous season. And after everything that they've been through, it's an opportunity to do it in front of Anfield crowd. And for the first time, right? And that's got to count for something. Because yeah. this season, if there's a team that has missed home advantage, it's Liverpool. More than anyone else, else it's Liverpool that have missed having fans at Anfield. And to have them back for the first time in, in, in you know, God knows how long, for such an important game, I genuinely think that's going to play a massive part. And if we know Klopp, we know Klopp. I mean, he is going to use every bit of this to spur his players to step up and, and, and get something against Palace. Alison, yeah, if it's nil-nil at half-time, it could work against them, though, because the crowd will tension, get nervous tension. and that Indeed. will spread to the, onto the field. It's all so right. Really Alisson will pop up with another goal. He, he needs to score another <laughs> to justify the new contract. I mean, just one goal is not enough. <laughs> uh, that return for 60 million, not good. Just one goal. <laughs> just yeah. the one goal. Um, uh, all right. All games kick off at the same time, Sunday, 11 p.m. So that's fourth versus 13th, Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Leicester are going to just have to concentrate on what they do. Uh, they take on Tottenham at home. Probably the toughest of, of the lot, uh, chasing this fourth spot. Um, Foxes need to win. They need to hope up, hope for a slip-up from either Liverpool or from Chelsea. That would be enough for them. Bob Holmes, we, we've said it would be a shame if Brendan Rodgers and Leicester don't make it after having spent so long in the top four. But a 38-game season, the table doesn't lie. If After 38 games, you're fifth, you're fifth. That's because you're not good enough to be in fourth. Yeah, well, that's a simple way of putting it. Um, but, Just uh, pointing out the fact. Binary, binary. Yeah, binary. Um, <laughs> I, you use the word shame. I think that's applicable more to Spurs than to Leicester uh, yeah, well on said, this occasion. Well given the uh, overall circumstances, no manager. And uh, probably that, that no was a long Kane. goodbye. That was a long goodbye by Harry Kane last uh, during midweek, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it was <laughs> pathetic, really, wasn't it? I, I felt. I felt sorry for him. I mean, he does deserve a, a decent send off and to be wandering around the uh, perimeter looking for fans to. I know who, who might applaud him. Wasn't the way he would have liked to have gone out. And uh, here he is um, on an away ground. Uh, with with fans who will be desperate to to see him beaten, but knowing Leicester fans, I think they will they will still give him a a bit of a send off, whatever happens, because they are fairly sporting. Um, I think Liverpool fans might even give Roy Hodgson a bit of a wave too. Let's not forget that. Um, but uh, this game, yes, Leicester they should win, but it may not be enough. That's the thing. But they can only, they can't control the other games. Mm. They'll be at it. They will have had the FA Cup final out of their system by now. They had a rude reminder of reality uh, with that defeat by Chelsea. 
and uh, they'll be up for this. Whether Spurs will be up for it is another matter because they certainly weren't up in midweek, were they? And uh, if, they, if they're not careful, they're going to be in the um, uh, Division 2 of the Europa League, whatever the it's conference. called. The Euro- conference. Europa Conference. In fact, in fact, you know, Arsenal could still overtake them yeah. in the table and there could still be a St. Totteringham's Day <laughs> after all this. So uh, they, they have a lot to play for. Harry Kane will be up for it. Um, but some of the other players, their heads went down. Their heads have been going down throughout the season, according to Mourinho. And uh, it has been visible. And they, they've, they've had a shocking uh, spell they lost the Carabao Cup final, which was a one chance of redemption. But uh, they messed that up. They messed up the sacking of Mourinho, the timing of it, I think. And uh, they're looking, they're in a mess. I mean, they won't get as much as Daniel Levy wants for Harry Kane. And the last time they sold a big player, Gareth Bale, they blew the money. On, uh, they frittered it away on about seven different players, only one of whom, Ericsson, was any good. And they've got to be careful they don't do the same again. So if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be, I'd be, in, you know, I'd be a bit concerned. I'd say Leicester will win this, but it may not be enough. All right, 68 of the previous 71 league games that's stretching back two seasons, Leicester City have been in the top four. 68 of 71. And they could still not play Champions League football at the end of it. Um, going into the break very quickly, Keish, where do you think Leicester City went wrong? Why, why have they always fallen short? I mean, again, like I, I, I don't know why we're using this term went wrong. I mean, obviously, it's frustrating that they're not getting into the top four after you know, doing so well. Um, From a player's not- point of view, if, if, I mean, it's massive playing Champions League football, right? No, no completely, completely agreed, right? Um, and, and I think, obviously, in terms of experience, let's not forget that it's been an incredibly compressed, rough season for everyone involved. And we're not just talking from a physical point of view. We're talking from a mental, psychological point of view as well. A lot of players have come up and they've hinted at how difficult the season has been. And you're, you're talking about, you look at how much further sites like Spurs have faulted. You look at teams like Everton, how far they have dropped off the pace after initially looking strong. You look at teams like even Villa, for that matter. Mm. Um, Wolves have struggled. There have been countless teams that have struggled to keep themselves just steady the ship in the final weeks of the season or the final last one and a half months. Um, Credit to Leicester. To be fair, the last few games towards the end of the season has been incredibly difficult. But every other team around them, every other team around them that has sustained a, a strong end to the season are far more experienced at handling the pressure yeah. in this part. And, and, and in, in, in that sense, you, you can't really blame Leicester. But the good thing is um, that discussion that we had earlier in terms of what the Leicester fans generally feel about it. I mean, if you look at, I, I was going through Facebook comments on, their, on the Leicester City page, on their Instagram account, and the general sentiment that you get is they are, they are incredibly satisfied with a fifth-place finish and an FA Cup trophy, because that's an upgrade from last season. Yeah. And for them, a lot of them indeed just said that they would have taken that FA Cup trophy over Champions League football, because that FA Cup trophy is just a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to lift a trophy in an English football pyramid that is becoming increasingly more um, imbalanced in terms of you know, wealth uh, distribution. 
So it's you, I, I when you look at, at Leicester City's success this season, I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure just yet. It'll be frustrating. They yeah. will be upset, but it in no way is it a failure. All right. All right, we're going into the break now. Massive game. Leicester against Tottenham is fifth versus seventh. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Tell you what, he beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, Bob Holmes, Kishnan and Des Corkill joining me to preview the final weekend of the season. Tweet at BFM Radio, follow us on social media, it's uh, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Alternatively, find us individually on Twitter, you can find us easily. Um, all right, Chelsea is the other team in the top four equation, currently in third, they are away at Villa Park to take on 11th place, Aston Villa. Villa actually already guaranteed 11th going into this one. I don't know. Out of all, all the three teams, I see Liverpool winning. I see Leicester winning. And for some reason, I see Villa doing something. Whether or not it's a draw, Des Corkill. Um, am I wrong? Is Timo Werner going to have another one of those days, you reckon? It, it, it's, a, it's a possibility that Villa will do something and it will be a reward for, uh, for a very strong Villa campaign um, to finish just outside the top 10. They played well. They've been difficult to break down. It does depend on the injuries. Is Tyrone Mings back? If he's back, he solidifies them. If he's not, then the glue at the back uh, disappears. Um, just going on to what Keish was saying about Timo Werner, I'm a huge Werner fan. The work he does, he gets into the positions, he's unselfish. Um, as soon as he gets a couple going very, very quickly, he'll score a ton of goals. Reminds me of Luis Suarez when he first came to Liverpool. Suarez had a, a dreadful um, scoring percentage for his first six months and then suddenly exploded and um, in, in, uh, in more ways than one. So Werner will be good, but maybe not yet. Your season, it doesn't just change like that, or maybe it does. I think next year, Werner, this is, this is a banana skim. Um, for Chelsea, they think like a big club. So the fact that all the Leicester fans, as Keish was saying, are happy with fifth place, that tells you a little bit that you're not part of a big club. And I think this is huge that um, for Leicester, that Chelsea do, Chelsea or Liverpool, do slip up. Because if Leicester finish out the top four, the money differential becomes big. Their chance to make it in the top four becomes that much less. If there was going to be a season, this was the season to do it. And they might just slip down the pecking order, super billionaire owner or not. So I think Leicester really need this, this to go their way. And they need their Midland rivals, Aston Villa, to do them a favour. And Villa are good enough to do so because Chelsea don't score many goals. This could have nil-nil written all over it. And that could give the chance for, for Leicester to make it into the Champions League. Yeah, Tyrone means yes, that. Uh, can I just come in and ask Des, do you wish Liverpool had signed Timo Werner? Yeah, I do. But uh, I, also, I also thought that, that, that at the time, it was going through the, the, the crisis. There was the money, there was the furlough going on. And the club looked. And, and I'm, a, I'm a kind of fan. I think Liverpool's uh, FSG are the more benevolent of the, of the multi-billionaires. But they made a decision that they could not be seen to be spending 50 million on a player at the time when they're also talking of furlough. And so that was the decision that was made. It wasn't a football decision. 
Caring billionaires? Did you say caring? I think Bene- they're benevolent. Des, come on, I, come on. I think des. of of the six, they are the most benevolent. Nah, that's nah, not, nah, that's nah. not a high. Yeah, hey. The only thing that FSG are much better than everyone else is when it comes to their PR game. That's exactly. All. So so they do it right. And this else. Werner thing, this Werner thing was very much a PR move. Yeah. Uh, they could have afforded him, and I think Liverpool missed out. I think the fans wanted him. All the fans, yeah, wanted the fa- him. Yeah. fans yeah. wanted him very much so. But they they made the decision that this is not right to be doing this at this time. All right, uh, Tyrone Mings did return for Villa against Spurs. Um, oh, he played okay. Yeah, massive thing is is Jack Grealish, of course. He came back and already. Oh, immediately- Reggion. Reggion's the Villa player to, to, that they need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had a shocker. He, he should be wearing a villa shirt. But Kish, who do you fancy in this one? Do, do you think Chelsea will slip up? Um, it, it's difficult to see Chelsea slipping up, honestly. I mean, there, there's a sense of ruthlessness about this Chelsea side under Thomas Tuchel in a way that. But, but there, there, are, there are factors. There's things like Kante's got a niggling injury. Do you no, risk definitely. him before the, the, the Champions League? No, I'd but, wrap him up in cotton wool. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but, but uh, Thomas Tuchel came out and confirmed that Kante didn't actually pick up an injury. Okay. That he actually requested to sub himself out before he precaution. picked up an injury. Because okay. he felt his leg you know, acting a bit weirdly. Um, so I, I'm not saying that even in the absence of Kante, Chelsea might lose or whatever. But the point is that there's a sense of ruthlessness about this Chelsea side. Even if they're struggling to score goals... But they've got so many players capable of doing that. Maybe not one who scores 20 to 25 goals, but they've got at least, you know, eight, nine players capable of scoring goals when, when, when they need one. And you looked at that FA Cup final and you thought to yourself, the moment they lost that game, the moment they lost the game, you knew that the league encounter, there was no way they were going to drop the ball. There was absolutely no way they were going to drop the ball. And that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, barring Ihenacho's goal, it was complete domination. And do you Chelsea carry today. that feeling for Chelsea going into this one? I think there is that sense of ruthlessness. If you look at Thomas Tuchel's post-match interview after the Leicester game, and yeah. they asked him, was there a sense of revenge tonight? And in the most sinister way possible, he just said no. But you could see it in his face that it was all about revenge. <laughs> this is a man who was absolutely driven by it. He's he just Kish wouldn't be German otherwise. A liar. You're, you're branding him a liar, Kish. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm branding him a ruthless, relentless football manager. And I think oh, that's, that that's better? Yeah. <laughs> that ruthlessness is going to be reflected in Chelsea's performance against Villa. I know this comes across like a difficult game, but I think Chelsea will completely you know, fire on all four cylinders and um, get that decisive victory in this one. All right. There are lots of side stories in this one. Grealish and Watkins in front of Gareth Southgate trying to play themselves into the squad. It's intriguing. 11th versus 3rd. Aston Villa against Chelsea. Just like all the other games this weekend, Sunday, 11 p.m. kickoff. West Ham have had a superb season, despite anything that happens from, from now onwards. They are currently 6th going into the weekend, knowing that one point will be enough at home against Southampton to guarantee Europa League football, Bob Holmes, to guarantee Europe for David Moyes' side. (laughs) Yes, I know. You have to repeat such things, don't you? (laughs) Maybe again and again. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, thoroughly uh, deserved. Uh, I'm glad they righted the ship um, 
in the in the last game because it it would have been a bit of a travesty if uh, their season had just petered out after it's all, all this. down to management right he signed the right players whether it's permanent or loan and and he's got them playing football again yeah yeah an absolutely inspired signing of uh, loan signing of uh, Jesse Lingard although he has dropped off a bit lately um i hope it wasn't a flash in the pan just getting back to what you said Gareth Southgate i think it will be intriguing to see which match he attends um <laughs> He can't. He can't see more than one. If I was him, I think I'd I'd sit at home in front of a big screen yeah. and, and rely yeah. on uh, yeah. the broadcasters to keep telling you what's going on. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot to to think about. He's got to announce the uh, squad, hasn't he, next week? Jack Grealish came back just in the nick of time, I think. Um, I'd like to see him wrapped in cotton wool now, from an England point of view. But he could damage Chelsea. Um, I know you asked me. You talked to him about West Ham here. Yeah, well, just, just for, for that, you, you can read. You can read Declan Rice coming back into the West Ham squad. That's yep. massive. Uh, yep. um, blew his penalty, didn't he? <laughs> um, he? I don't think he'll get. Be, he won't be taking a penalty for England. He's, he's not a penalty he's taker. Two, he's not a penalty taker. I mean, surely they've got players there, several players who could take a penalty better than him. What about Suchek, for example? But anyhow. <laughs> Um, West Ham, yeah, deserved. Uh, if they get into Europe, it'll be thoroughly deserved. And uh, I think the fans will enjoy it because like Leicester fans, you know, as Des was saying, you know, they're not a top six club. They don't expect when the season kicked off, West Ham fans would have taken uh, being in the in the division the following season. Mm -hmm. They had no aspirations of getting into Europe whatsoever uh, beyond their wildest dreams. And I think they'll make the most of it if they do um, get there. So um, a lot to play for. Nothing much for Southampton to play for. And I think that'll be the difference. I think that's the difference in a lot of these games. Going back to Villa again, they don't have anything to play for. Chelsea have everything to play for. Here, West Ham have awful lot to play for. Southampton, nothing to play for. That, I think, when it comes down to it, that'll be the difference. Hopefully in Liverpool's case as well. What, what can we say that's nice about Southampton, Kish? They're 14th. At one point, we remember on social media, it was stop the count. They were top of the table. It was really funny. Then they got tonked. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it, it's been that kind of season. But they're 14th. They're safe as houses. I mean, when it comes to Southampton, we've got to remember that before the season started, Ralph Hasenutl kept going out in the press and kept talking about the need for a little more investment into his team. Because they lost players like Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Um, they, you know, their attacking department kept picking up injuries. And he insisted that if you were going to better last season's performances, you need to improve the squad. And we, and, and we all know Rafa Sintutl. He's not the kind of guy that's going to demand from, for, you know, 40, 50 million signings. He comes from the RB Leipzig school of thought, which is all about shrewd signings. And Rafa Sintutl just wanted that. He just wanted more shrewd signings players that can come and, and, and enforce his system and make the team much better. And we saw that in periods. There were so many periods this year when I thought Southampton played some of the most incredible football that I've seen a team play in the Premier League. The, the, the way they pressed together as a team, it, it, they were a real joy to watch. But obviously, when you've got a, a squad like Southampton that has been hit by multiple injuries this season, mm -hmm. they've got players coming in and out of form. Um, they haven't exactly replaced... I mean, I'm a, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Oriel Romeo, but is he exactly... 
man for man replacement for someone like Hoiberg who mm. was such an important player for them over the last few years um i don't think so so th- there's a lot of fundamental issues within the club in terms of uh, player entrance player recruitment which needs to be sorted this season or else you're not giving a manager like Hasan Hotel the tools he needs to take this club to the next level because i genuinely am a big fan of Rafa Hasan okay it's a massive game for West Ham one point needed 6 versus 14 West Ham against Southampton also 11 p.m. Saturday Lovely football speed of that little passage of play Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9 A two goal lead a picture of a goal and that should be job done Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9 And here we are Bob Keish and Des looking forward to the final weekend of the season. Champions City at home in front of the fans. In front of the fans. No, in front of the fans at the Etihad <laughs> on Sunday. They take on 8th place Everton. Um for City, Des, I guess it's it's all about tuning up for the following Saturday, the Champions League final. They want to give Aguero a nice send off in front of the fans so that kind of storyline going into the game for for the champions it is the uh, the defeat against brighton would have been um would have had uh, the headline writers um going galore in previous seasons because a defeat away at brighton from 2-0 down for the champions uh, used to be something to write home about now it's not your champions this year lost six games which is back to Our kind of era, um, I mean, Bob, not Keish, uh, our kind of era where <laughs> champions did lose uh, a, a lot of games, six, seven, eight, nine games a season. But they played so 42 been, games a season. Though, and they, they played 42 <laughs> games a season. And, and, and all games were Saturday, three o'clock. Uh, but anyway, so, so for Man City, they just can't afford to take their foot off the gas. They just can't. Um, I thought I thought the Cancelo sending off was a modern sending off. Yes, it's clear sending off, but in terms of uh, was it deserved to me? Ah, from my generation, no, never in a million years. And that changed the game. Brighton were great, loved it, but City were on holiday already. They were at the beach of Brighton, and they can't afford to be at the beach any longer because Chelsea, as Keish quite rightly says, are ruthless. Chelsea won't give chances away. It promises to be. Um, a very tight game at Lisbon it's moved to now hasn't it it's promised to be a tight Porto, game at Lisbon sure. and and Leeds sure. uh, Porto sorry and um and and um Man City can't go in there on the back of a couple of defeats because if the if imagine you end your league season all triumphant league season on a flat to raise yourself up again isn't that easy Chelsea have been there they've literally had a cup final they've literally had a game where they're they're ch- they're chasing their big rival they've literally had a game where they they're going into um trying to win Champions League and then they've got another cup final so Chelsea are on this high Man City are kind of whoa let's <laughs> tail off and that's something they've got to really uh, take care of if they Bob- win 6 or 7-0 that would be the perfect way for them to end this season yeah Everton Bob have something to play for going into this game there there is the Europa Conference seventh they can go as high as seventh and and that would be some achievement i'm asking you question mark question mark <laughs> <laughs> no um i think it i think it would go down as a, a disappointment uh, especially after the start Uh, how many times did they celebrate uh, winning the championship? <laughs> three, uh, three. three titles. Three titles. <laughs> yeah. three titles in one season. Not bad going. Um, no, it's it's been disappointing. 
um, very disappointing. And uh, I don't think you can put, put any real gloss on it uh, at all. Uh, they've, they've got to really look at things in the close season. And uh, I, I'm not even sure whether Ancelotti will be there because there's one or two vacancies cropping up around Europe, uh, notably in Italy. There could be a couple. Um, and uh, he, he might he might just be tempted. I mean, I don't think the weather on Merseyside is uh, is keeping him, is it? Um, and I think he's he's rather frustrated by his team. He seemed to have bought well. He seemed to have bought a nicely balanced team, but they just don't score enough. They don't create enough, do they? James Rodriguez, I think, after a bright start, has been a, a disappointment. Use that word again. Um, he is, seems rather injury prone doesn't fancy the cold weather all of those who predicted that fears who yeah that? <laughs> who, who would have thought that who would have thought that um you know he's lived up to his reputation or lived down to it rather talented yes but um not really the kind of player that everton need and then they've had injuries um just as Players have got going, like Calvert-Lewin was on a hot streak, then he got injured. Uh, Ducouri's been out. Um, they, they've had an in-and-out season, and um, this would only be a sort of token uh, triumph. In fact, would it be? I mean, I think teams with any sort of ambition would be better off not being in this Europa conference. Ooh. I mean, Europa League... Yes, I mean, that's assumed a little more importance of late. I think uh, since United and Liverpool met, possibly that was the first time people a few years ago, early in Klopp's reign, that tie and uh, and then um, Liverpool getting to the final, United winning it the following year. It gave it more importance in uh, British eyes anyway. Um, but the Europa Conference, no, no, I think you're better off without it. It's Thursday and Sunday. How to mount a serious title challenge when you're playing on Thursdays and Sundays? It's very difficult. I don't think anyone's done it, have they? No. Um, for City, it's, well, they go into this game as champions. Kish, if you were Pep, what, what would you do here? Do, do you, do you hone your, your strongest team knowing that you've got seven days rest? between now and the Champions League final, because they are coming off the back of a defeat. They don't want to go in flat against Chelsea, do they? I mean, if I'm Pep Guardiola, I just don't overthink. It's, it's, it's been his, his problem over the last few seasons when it comes to crucial periods. Um, you know, he's overthought certain tactical decisions, certain team lineups, and that has costed him. You, you think about the game against Lyon as a prime example last season, right? That... That was a game that you know City should have easily won. No disrespect to Leon, but judging by how they performed after beating City in the next round, it was pretty clear that you know that wasn't something that should have happened. Um, so Pep has got the team this far without overthinking it. What he's got at the moment, he's, he's essentially got two squads capable of mounting uh, a win in big games. You, you, he could play a second team um, like he did uh, against Chelsea in the league. Um, and they dominated the game. I mean, they lost it eventually, but they dominated it, right? Even with the second team. So, again, the, the, that loss against Brighton, I think 
I don't think Pep or City will look too much into it. I think they will just regard it as, you know, it's a sending off. Mm. Plus, uh, Pep himself has always come out and said that Brighton, you know, their league position do not reflect how good they actually are. Um, they have one of the worst conversion rates. If they scored more goals, they will be far better in the league. So, it's not an easy team to go up against. I think if I'm Pep, I just don't overthink it. I play whatever team that I want to play. I play players that I feel that need a game before the Champions League. Those who don't need it, I, I don't necessarily play them. But the most important thing is, I start Sergio Aguero. Yeah. Because the way things have revolved around his departure this year, I think it's been slightly disingenuous. It's been slightly frustrating from the point of view of, of someone who has watched this man tear apart defences for the last decade or so. He obviously deserves a much better send-off. And in, in many ways, it's, it's actually nice that he's going to be able to play in front of fans. Not, not, a, not a packed stadium, but at least in front of some home fans who can at least pay tribute to him. So the most important thing, if I'm Guardiola, is you start to do Aguero. There'll be at least a couple of hundred there for Man City, I'm sure. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I hear they're struggling to sell tickets. <laughs> uh, it's massive for Everton. They can get seventh. Man City first versus Everton eighth. Um, Wolves versus Man United is a dead rubber, really. But I wanna, I wanna bring Des in on this because Des, we might see Man United cheat football again. We might actually see a Leicester City type starting eleven against Wolves. Bearing in mind there's a big champ, uh, Europa League final on Wednesday. You don't. <laughs> I bet he doesn't go to the ridiculous ends that um, he, he went for the Leicester game. Uh, that, that, that was that was my issue of, of uh, starting. Keith, you, you missed it. He accused United of what? cheating. What on earth, Des? What do you akin, mean he went to the ends against Leicester? Akin, six, uh, the, the Leicester selection starting... Days, <laughs> really, the, Le- the, the Leicester starting uh, lineup in- included two debutant teenagers. They might uh, be back. That- they might be back. And and uh, you know, uh, in, in the end, if, if Leicester do m- miss out, um, it's despite them being able to pick up that uh, that game was effectively given to them by plucky Manchester United youth. Um, so no, I don't think United will go to the to the extreme extent to the to the. Um, to the mind-bending extent that they did against Leicester. They'll drop one or two players. I, I, I bet you, though, and I'm delighted on this one, I'm a huge fan of Davide Gea. Not on the monies he's on, but on, on his ability. And I've never understood this Henderson over the Gea um, argument. Just never understood it. They're not in the same stratosphere when it comes to, to goalkeeping qualities. And it looks like the Gea has finally won uh, Solskjaer's approval as being the better of, of two goalkeepers. But it, it, was, um, it was a competition that shouldn't have even have, have taken place as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, We've got two Man United fans on here. What do you think, guys? Uh, um, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I agree. De Gea's a better goalie. But, I mean, he's, he's on over 300,000 a week. No, yeah, but, but to compare but, Henderson, to bring Henderson No, not, not Henderson. Adam, I but think that's no, no, what they're talking about. Yeah, you've yeah. got Romero on the bench who you've hardly, yeah. hardly sp- so spoken that, to. You, you, nail on the head there, Des. Nail on the head. Romero should have been given a chance for me. No, so so here, here's the thing. I mean, this is where my general opinion is. I think Henderson is a much better goalkeeper than Sergio Romero. Uh, I think Henderson deserved the chance that he got at the very least. I don't think anyone... I mean, you might have people arguing that Henderson is better than De Gea, but I don't think anyone in the same mind would say that at this point, Henderson is already a better keeper than David De Gea. But it is no secret that David De Gea has been on a period of decline. 
and a few excellent performances don't necessarily negate that. What he's got to do after this is, you know, prove that level of consistency that is completely lost. Because we're not just talking about form here, right? When you look at deeper numbers, you're talking about the, the margin of saves that he's making, um, the, 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 the kind of, of, of uh, mistakes that he's making over the period of the last three seasons. There's mm. been a steady period of decline. And that decline cannot just be pushed aside. So I don't think people were being unfair in saying that Dean Henderson deserved a chance. He deserved a chance not because he's a better goalkeeper than De Gea. He deserved a chance because De Gea for three seasons in a row had been on a period of decline. And at some point, you needed to give someone a shot to see where we can go from there. And well, now that's an that interesting clear, strategy. Choose your worst goalkeeper. <laughs> he's not, he's not there. I genuinely don't think Henderson... I genuinely don't think Henderson is the worst goalkeeper on, on No, the no, it's out of between him and the hair. He is, clearly. Absolutely. No, when, when, Not even when, close. When he's better than Grant. Having a bit of a problem, <laughs> having a bit of a problem, you give your backup goalkeeper. And, do, and make no mistakes, Henderson has got so many quality... So but he then went, here's my it. argument, he then went to say that Henderson's his number one. He went with Henderson ahead of the hair for a, for a period of time. He never said recently. Henderson was his number one. Death. He, he, he made, he made them equal ranking. He alternated no. them. Left, um, and Henderson I think got that, the that, that's game. management. No, no, no. The selection of Henderson, the Henderson came into the picture the moment David De Gea went back to Spain um, for the birth of his newborn. Yeah. That yes. gave the opportunity for Dean Anderson to be promoted into a number one role. And upon his return, he didn't necessarily wanted to shuffle that back. Because make no mistakes, when De Gea was in Spain, Henderson kept things well. He yeah. looked good. He looked solid. Yeah. So yeah. why would you disrupt that momentum when things are looking good at the moment? So I don't think he, at any point, Ole insinuated that Henderson was his number one. I think he just gave him a reasonable fair chance. And Ole never said, insinuates anything. Ole never says anything. He never anything. said. He never said it. Yeah. He never says anything. All right. Mm. Massive weekend <laughs> of games. There you go. Uh, United's opponents, Wolves, probably just want the season over and done with. Um, um, uh, that's it. That's all the time we have. So we will be back on Monday to talk about it. For now, I'm going to say thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the finale. Thank you to Kishnan. Cheers, guys. Have fun. Thanks, Des Corkill. Welcome back, Kish. <laughs> have, have a great weekend everybody see you next week bye some people are on the pitch they think it's all over follow BFM football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9 it is now thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.